No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Yesterday we saw that when Esau discovered his brother had stolen his blessing, he wanted to kill him. Today we see that to save Jacob's life, Rebecca and Isaac sent him away to his uncle Laban's house. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Genesis chapter 27 on Simply the Bible. Have you ever experienced buyer's remorse? Something looks good from a distance. The picture in the advertisement pleases you. The features impress you and you want it. But after you get it, you are unimpressed. And then you begin to question, why did I get this? In the story before us, each character sought something they wanted. Isaac wanted to bless his firstborn son, Esau. Rebekah wanted Jacob to receive the blessing and was willing to deceive and manipulate to get it. Jacob wanted to please his mom and wanted the blessing himself, so he went along with the scheme. And Esau wanted the blessing himself, but he had no regard for spiritual things. All the main characters of this drama acted in a self-serving way, self-serving because they did not consider the will of God in their actions. But now that they had played their part, were they happy with the outcome? Whenever we help ourselves to what we think we want without regard to God and His ways, we will likely experience a form of buyer's remorse. Jacob had lived up to his name, which means heel catcher or supplanter. He had stolen Esau's blessing by deceit. But at what cost? We pick it up in Genesis 27, 41. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban and Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? Rebecca was a wise woman. In his grief, bitterness, and hatred against his brother, Esau had been spouting off what he was going to do to Jacob as soon as their father died. Rebecca knew that these murderous threats were real and that the only way of protecting her darling Jacob was to send him away from home immediately. She called for Jacob and told him of Esau's intentions. How terrible it is that someone would comfort himself by meditating on killing his own flesh and blood. But these were the consequences of people operating according to the flesh apart from God. Again, Rebekah told Jacob to obey her voice and go to her brother Laban in Padam Aram. Counting on Esau's anger to dissipate with time, Rebekah told him to remain there a few days until she would send for him. 
But little did she know that those few days would turn into 20 years and she would never see Jacob again. The great irony is that part of her motivation was that she didn't want to lose both Isaac and Jacob in the same day, but Isaac would live to see Jacob's homecoming and Rebecca wouldn't. The problem with us working out our own plans rather than submitting to God's plan is that we don't know what tomorrow holds, whereas God knows everything, the end from the beginning. Verse 46, And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Now, in her appeal to Isaac, Rebekah withholds two important facts. First, Esau wants to kill Jacob. And second, she has already told Jacob to escape to her uncle. We wonder what happened to the communication between Rebekah and Isaac. Did this breakdown begin when Isaac started favoring Esau and Rachel started favoring Jacob? Did they become independent and then fail to communicate? Or did they fail to communicate and then become independent? If we desire oneness in marriage, then we must constantly work at both mutual dependence and transparent communication, especially if we have different career paths. If we don't, we will surely drift apart. Now, Rebecca communicates to Isaac her weariness of life because of their two daughters-in-law. Obviously, Esau's Canaanite wives had made life miserable for her. This was one grief that the elderly couple shared, and Isaac didn't want a Canaanite wife for Jacob any more than Rebekah did. By putting it this way to Isaac, Rebekah shrewdly influenced him into deciding to send Jacob away on his own. Of course, she knew that Isaac would think to get a wife for Jacob in the same place that he found her. This would be the beginning of a beautiful romance between Jacob and Rachel. However, it sort of ruins it for us when we consider that Jacob was probably in his 70s at this time. But keep in mind that the patriarchs lived about twice as long as we do. So Jacob had the body of a 30-something. Chapter 28. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. What strikes me about Isaac is that he had just been deceived and manipulated by his wife and his son in giving the blessing to Jacob but he doesn't seem to be bitter about it. Isaac, no doubt, realized that it was his bad, as we say, in not listening to the word of the Lord spoken to Rebekah that the older would serve the younger. However, pride could have kicked in and Isaac could have harbored a grudge for feeling betrayed. If he had such feelings, 
he quickly set them aside for the greater good of his family and God's sovereign will. And he blessed his son. While the former blessing hinted at the blessing of Abraham, this is a direct transference of the threefold blessing that Isaac himself had received. The Lord would be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. First, Isaac invoked the name of God Almighty in blessing Jacob, making him fruitful and multiplying him to become an assembly of peoples. This was the blessing of the nation. Next, he spoke of Jacob inheriting the land in which he was a stranger that God gave to Abraham. This was the blessing of the land of Canaan. Lastly, while Isaac did not mention the seed through whom the nations would be blessed, it was obviously included in the blessing of Abraham. This was the blessing of the Messiah. Isaac held nothing back in blessing and releasing his son Jacob, knowing that this could be the last opportunity he would have. Again, Isaac could have let hurt feelings, anger, and resentment keep him from this moment. Then it would have been a lost opportunity. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. How often do we let opportunities to bless others slip through our fingers? We think we have more time to do it later, but things change, relationships change, circumstances change, people move away or die unexpectedly. Our opportunity never comes again. Instead, how can we set aside our pride, our hurt, our fear, and the tyranny of our own schedule and bless others today? Verse 6, Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take himself a wife from there. And that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife in addition to the wives he had. There is something sort of tragic about Esau. He traded away his birthright, lost his blessing, and disappointed his parents in his selection of not just one, but two unbelieving Canaanite wives. He longed for his father's approval, but didn't know how to get it. He's like so many in the world who long for better things, higher things, but don't know how to obtain them. They always show up too late for the blessing and wearing the wrong clothes. By sheer willpower, they often get what they want, but it never satisfies them. Esau knew that his father had sent Jacob away to his mother's family to get a wife and that he specifically told Jacob not to get a Canaanite wife. If Esau had been unaware of how his father felt about his wives, he certainly knew now. So how could he make it right? How could he come back into favor with his father once again? Esau reasoned that he would take another wife from the daughters of Ishmael. Abraham's son. This is so often how the world looks at things. Recognizing that an offense has been made, rather than making atonement for the offense, 
the world seeks to improve the situation by its own good deeds. There were at least three problems with Esau's plan. First, Ishmael was the son of Hagar, the Egyptian servant who had been cast out. There was really no guarantee that Ishmael's daughter would be any more agreeable to his father than his Canaanite wives had been. Second, Esau never confessed his sin of not consulting his parents when he chose his wives to begin with. And third, this action would do nothing to stop the grief that his Canaanite wives continued to cause. Offenses are a fact of life, but how do we deal with them? Proverbs 28.13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. When we seek to cover our offenses with our own good deeds, rather than confessing them and turning from them, then we won't prosper. Oh, we may look successful on the outside, but we won't be right with God or others. We could never undo what we have done any more than Esau could undo his marriage to his Canaanite wives. But because of what Christ did for us on the cross, we can receive God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness if we will confess our sins and turn from them. The spotlight now focuses on Jacob, the man who would have 12 sons, whose name God would change to Israel. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepper Ridge Elementary School in Boise. To listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. Or send us an email. We'd love to know how we can pray for you. Next week, we're going to see that as Jacob fled from his brother Esau, The Lord appeared to him in a dream and promised to bless him and remain with him. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Genesis right here on Simply the Bible.